Thank you. Thank you for joining the Fastest Known Podcast. It's always good to connect with people, even though it's just virtual. And we are back with a special Fastest Known Time of the Year award. This time we're in Europe, just like we did for North America. Yeah, they really throw down in Europe. That's for sure. They've been doing a lot longer than we have here. We're about to hear what they're doing, or I should say what they have done in Europe. And we're going to start with an overall introduction from Matt Lafort. Welcome back to the podcast, Matt. It's good to talk with you. It's good to talk to you. Hi, Buzz. And uh, is the sun shining out your window right now? Yeah, well, not exactly. In three days. <laughs> I'm living in the <laughs> Arctic now. <laughs> You're living in the Arctic. So we should do a quick little intro of you here, which you were born and raised in Marseille, France. Uh, you're successful business person and a good family man with two beautiful children. And you've been living in Andorra for the past, what was 12 it? 12 years. 12 years. Yes. Andorra is a fantastic place on the boundary between uh, France and Spain. And now you're living in the Arctic. Is that yes. just because you're French and are idealistic or what's what's up here? Uh, I don't know. The I'm turning 40 in two days and we wanted to explore uh, the world a little bit more. And Northern Norway is like an amazing place. It's it's wild and there's like everything to 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 explore here. So I love Andorra. I mean, I feel more Andorran than French um, in my heart, but we wanted to do more. So that's a great opportunity we have. So uh, middle of the pandemic, why not move <laughs> like okay. 4,000 kilometers away? <laughs> 4,000 kilometers away, up where the sun literally does not shine for another how, how many more days before you'll see the sun? Three, three days. Yeah, three, three days. days. Three days. The polar night ends, and so after two months of full darkness, um, we're gonna get the sun slowly, uh, a few minutes a day, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be great. But we got the northern lights, so it was pretty nice. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. And we are talking with you because you speak numerous languages. You've been around everywhere in the continent, and so you're going to give us a heads up on this show. And at the end of this show, we will speak with the number three female FKT of the year winner for Europe and the number three male. So that's what's coming up here. So stay tuned, folks. And Matt, uh, thanks for the heads up on the Arctic. Uh, you, you haven't talked me into it yet, but maybe I'll come visit you in the summer. Yeah. But in the meantime, wow, looking at this, this is kind of interesting. There were 1,000 308 FKTs set in Europe. And we're still counting the UK as part of Europe, even though they're out of the EU. Out of which we created a list of 27 nominations. And then voters, they voted on it. So it's not us at fastest known time. We don't do it. A group of European voters did it. And what we saw, first off, what I noticed is that the Austrians and the Germans were really organized. You know what I mean? They weren't out there just putzing around. They got organized. They got competitive. They got it done. Did you notice that as well? Yeah, I mean, it. It, it again, like I don't want to get into cliche, but like this is this part of like their DNA. So like we we saw that, of course, the um, German, Austrian, the, the Brits. Um, it, it it's part of the the culture. Like they switch also quicker. Um, with the restrictions, so they 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 
they knew the races were cancelled. And because, of course, we have to mention that, like the COVID-19 effect on, on FKT this year has been r- ridiculous because um, races been cancelled and cancelled all over the place. People not willing to travel the way they wanted. Um, so people started to explore their their, 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 um, their backyard and, you know, a bunch of mountains in, in the Alps, like it's fairly easy to go, fairly easy, <laughs> all things related. Like it, you go up and down, that's straightforward. So um, so there was like a lot of things that they could do. And of course, there's amazing athletes out there. And, uh, and so like the, the game was on. The game was on. I like it. Um... You, you mentioned the Brits as well. So they threw down. They had what I saw in the UK, at least, is these 50-year-old routes, right, that have been there forever, relatively speaking. And all of a sudden, they got competitive. Like you said, all of a sudden, people would do them. There were 31-year-old records that were broken and then broken again eight days later. That, that's so the UK big. got on it, didn't they? Yes, like again, amazing athletes. The opportunity to 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 to, to travel on the domestic uh, land, and there's the sense of the community in the UK. Of course, this is where like most of the rounds were born. So you have that that possibility to have like quick like support and and help with a couple of friends um, who know the who know the route who can help share information so like the top athletes like eager to compete and and to 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 challenge their fitness because like most of those uh, athletes were like training for like the biggest events um this year and all of a sudden that they have the fitness but they cannot <laughs> do any races so boom like you have and you have like the, some of the best routes in the world in the uk and and what is amazing is that as you mentioned like the like the the the, the penning way um i think yeah it has been done yeah as you said 31 years and within a week it was broken twice <laughs> the, the record so it shows yeah the, the the, the the competitive aspect of it and the, but the, I think the sense of the community in, in, in the UK helped a lot so people were like on, on the spot uh, really like um, like quickly operational um, lots of support uh, from friends running clubs and so it it made the the challenge uh, doable uh, even with the local restriction I like that Matt that's a very good point we don't hear that very often community. Yeah, And so the Brits, they've been doing this for actually centuries. The Bob Graham round, I think that goes back into the 30s. Um, And we don't talk about that in the States very much. Of course, you know, we're sort of known for being a little independent minded. And so we tend to march off into the woods by ourselves. But they had this great history, this great community. And indeed, when you do some of those classic rounds, you have to be verified. And they don't use GPX, they mean an actual person has to see you do it. Correct. These are card-carrying members of a club. So that's uh, that's interesting. I like that perspective. Yeah. And it's interesting to see, like, like briefly, the, the challenge for the future for the uh, for the Brits. I think the Bob Graham um, Running Club was the first one to... Um, to acknowledge the, the 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 popularity of the route, and normally, if you complete the route within twenty four hours, you get a, a membership, you know, a, 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 in the club. But like recently, you got like a bunch of guided paid um, trips to do the run, um, which honestly, I mean, 
again, I'm, I'm, I'm a purist. So at first I was offended, but then I realized some friends were offering those like guiding trips. And I realized like it does make sense when you go to the summit of Mont Blanc, for example, um, and you hire a mountain guide. So I understand that some people, they want to hire a mountain guide to do like a, a, um, a traverse in the mountains in the UK. Um, but the British, uh, like the, 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 the Bob Graham um, uh, running club decided to um, remove the mention of people completing that way with a pet support. Um, within the 24 hours, you cannot get into the, the club anymore. And I think oh, oh, wait, let, last... me clar- let me clarify this. This yes. is very interesting. Yeah. So there's guided trips yeah. on on the round, but if you do a guided trip, you can't get into the club. So they're exactly. they're saying you did it, but they're putting you in a different category. Oh, they don't. I mean, they they don't put it at all. Oh. They they just consider that it's a it's an athletic achievement, but this is not following the tradition and the spirit. Um, the spirit is as we mentioned earlier, the community. You get to know people. You look for people who are going to testify on 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 each summit uh, that you 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 went on on that summit. There's like that uh, learning process of like studying the maps. It's it's part of the the experience. It's part of the effort, and they assume that it takes effort to complete um, the round, not just the the physical effort. Like you know, like the brain has to be used. You have to spend hours studying the maps and everything. And that's going to be the challenge, not just in the UK. I think I, I'm thinking of the UK because they got that first because like, of course, Kilian destroyed the Bob Graham record, um, uh, a few years back. So all of a sudden, like everyone was like noticing the, the, the Bob Graham outside of the UK, uh, outside of the, the, the Hurley core core, uh, enthusiast in um, in the world, um, but that's the challenge for the future. Um, what's the limit? What's still relevant to qualify for, like you know, like right? So aesthetic or whatever. So yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to see. That's sharp, Matt. I like that perspective. So the UK has some of the biggest history anywhere in the world, and they might we might also look at them as leaders again and that they're looking at issues that the rest of us haven't looked at yet possibly, which is the spirit of it, the intent. And you mentioned that the organizers of the, of the BGR are not allowing guided trips to count as a success, but obviously what we call supported trips certainly are. So they've, they've figured out a line to draw and we're all going to be thinking about ethics. Okay. Well, that was Germany, Austria, very organized, to use a cliche. The Brits, also very organized. The Brits were, of course, the first people to climb Mount Everest, simply because they were the best organized, but, and great athletes. But look at Spain and France. These are fantastic mountain athletes. These, I mean, these are some of the best in the world. And yet we didn't see anything on the nominations list from Spain or from France. Well, Canary Islands, but that's yeah. kind of Spain. So I, I would say it's uh, it's a bit more complicated. Um, both France and Spain had like different uh, challenges with like local restrictions between regions, the way you move between regions. So like the, the, the peak season in summer um, was still not ideal to travel. Like people were traveling, but maybe not as easy as... Um, it was in other countries, um, neighbor countries. And, and then like, 
it's interesting to see. So we, we got we we got some so, some some great stuff. Like Xavier Tevenar, for example, did an amazing attempt on the GR20 in Corsica, but he missed the the mark. So he he did like I think the third time in history, but. It doesn't qualify as as FKT, of course. So it, it, it's not mentioned in the list. It could have been like one of the the feet of the the, the season, but it's not. Um, then, like another interesting feat is we, we got some FKT completed, um, but on either legs of a of a big GR or um, like the Pyrenean crossing, for example, Eric Clavery, um, the former like world champion from 2011, if I recall, um, um, did like the Pyrenean crossing in nine days, uh, which is one day uh, slower than Kilian. Um, well, let's quickly and- clarify. So the Pyrenean crossing is an amazing route. That's basically oh, yeah. going ocean to ocean. Exactly. Uh, from the Mediterranean to the uh, uh, Atlantic across the Pyrenean Mountains, which is the boundary between Spain and France. You mentioned that Killian had done it in eight days. Someone just did it in nine days. So there was things taking place, but they didn't quite reach prominence. And why is that again? So here here the in the Pyrenees, for example, you have multiple routes. So you have the GR10 in France, the GR11 in Spain, and the HRP, which is the high route that is crossing like France, Andorra, and Spain and to get to the to the ocean. And um, but the thing is that those routes over the, those are really old routes and they have um, evolved over the, the years and sometimes were modified. Uh, legs were created to avoid difficulties um, or to lower the route and avoid like big passes because of the the, the, the snow um, being that late in the season um, for uh, being a hiking route. So the issue now is that we have like difficulties. So Eric Clavery, for example, like is not just claiming is not claiming like the Pyrenean crossing is claiming, um, and I think he's right. He got the the, the FKT on the GR10, so the crossing staying in France. But even on the GR10, you have a bunch of like forks. So and 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 so and then it starts like endless conversation, like which which forks is like easier, which forks is like the original route from like the early days, and so it's it ends up that like even like the French are confused, feel confused, and it, it doesn't stand in, in the list because <laughs> no one agree on like what the fit <laughs> is. So. Wow, wow, that's 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 good. It's good. So we're we're somewhat contrasting. And pardon me, we're using some generalities here. So please pardon well, I, us. I'm French. I'm French. So <laughs> you know, I can <laughs> I can be blamed for that. This is my country. So. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we, we remember, folks. We heard it from Meta, not from me. And so the French, fantastic athletes, a huge history of mountain activities in all different sports, but they haven't quite clarified the Transpyrenean crossing yet. And so there's all these different variations. So you can get in arguments about who did what and what the fastest time was. And that's one of the reasons, of course, we started this website to try to sort that out and establish clear parameters so people can have a go with an apples to apples situation. And we're not going to get into that one. We, <laughs> I, I think we would, uh, I, don't, I don't think we would be successful in wading into that situation. So that explains that area. Here's something else I've noticed. Um, and of course, this is just due to geography. The In the UK, they have these really long routes. Of course, there's so-called Jugal which is an acronym going from lands into John Groats. That's an acronym for traveling the length of the country, north to south or south to north. And of course the rounds, 
the big three rounds, all of which are big routes. And there's some the Pennine ways you mentioned. And these are kind of long routes and they're, pardon me, I hope I'm not offending anyone. They're generally not technical. You know, they're, they're just kind of rolling hills and fells. Pardon me if I'm offending anyone who lives in the Lakes District. Well, and meanwhile, you go to the Alps and in, in France and Spain, and certainly in Austria and Germany, they're going up and they're coming down. Italy, right? If you're doing the Grand Paradiso, you're going up and you're coming down. It's steep and it's technical. So there's a different style, isn't there? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's been it's been like that for forever. Again, it 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 goes back to the terrain that we have and and the, the traditions uh, traditions in 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 Spain, in France, in Italy, in Switzerland. Um, I, I've uh, I've always been to go like from the the the, the nearest city uh, or village up to the summit of a mountain and back, and that's the route. Um, and then you can choose whatever route you want, but like this is like the, the the usual thing. Like the first races in the in skyrunning were were that skyrunning was born um, with routes where like races where basically you would climb up and down Mont Blanc, you would climb up and down uh, Monte Rosa. Um, so yeah, you get again you you get back to to tradition. So you you will see things in the future in France, for example, like the. We start seeing the with more like um, elite athletes attempts on like big uh, chunk of routes or complete GR like on the GR five for example from north to south uh, to get to the to the Mediterranean Sea, um, but it's less popular. So people they don't know the routes really well, so it doesn't get the same coverage. You have people doing the entire uh, route, some doing only a leg between two cities. So then you're like, so what gets to like being like a really like um, asp- aspirational route and what is like closer not to a Strava segment that, that would be uh, an exaggeration but like you see the point it, it, we still lack um, the, 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 pers- the value you know like w- w- what's behind the, the, the route you know like going up and down the mountain we understand you know, like that. <laughs> this is Chamonix or Les Douches. You go to the summit of Mont Blanc, you go back, you understand the concept. Like then, like running for like a long straight of uh, it's different. It's different. So I like it. <laughs> we understand this. Run to the top of the mountain, come back down. We understand that. That's a good point. Because here in the United States, someone sets an FKT in the Appalachian Trail, for example, and they're they're going to be in the New New York Times. Right, they're going to be an outside magazine. We people relate to that here. While on the continent, they're like, eh, whatever. You know, what what, yeah, what does it, this really mean? I mean, it, it, it is changing. It is changing. We we saw like the this year, for example. Uh, of course, we saw like every time Kilian has been doing an, an FKT. We uh, if we remember the Matterhorn, for example, um, FKT, there was like crowded city waiting for him to to climb back from from from, from the summit and uh and it made the news um and even like this year um we got um the the, the bob graham uh female uh fkt that was finished like on on the bbc so it's 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 huge and it's but it's new it's still like new to reach that that, that type of of media um so it will be interesting also to see the in the future how the the the, the why the reasons behind like an FKT attempt um, are, are are driven. Is it just like for the beauty of the sport? And again, I'm a, 
I'm a purist, so maybe I'm not the best person to ask that. But like, um, I, I've been personally um, concerned by uh, some of the FKTs that happened this year in Europe, where you see like the finish line with a um, an inflatable arch, you know, with sponsors and stuff. And it, and every time it's a little bit more and a little bit more. And sometimes, you know, like I, I love the beauty with the Bob Graham. You, you just climb the, the, the stairs, touch the door, boom, this is finished. That's the <laughs> beauty. I, I like that. Again, I'm a purist. But like to finish, what, what I don't want, and again, it's just me. Maybe that's the future of FKT. I don't know. But what I don't want personally is to see one day one per, like one man, one woman race with TV crowds, social media, live stream, um, and big arches at the finish line, sponsor everywhere, and that's it. One person race. For me, this is not the spirit. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just my perception and my vision. But like this, I think this is where there's going to be discussion in the future. Not just about the route, but more like the, 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 the means and the spirit, I think. Matt, you have started the discussion. Good for you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so no inflatable banners. You are one of the voters. And so if you if you see a big inflatable banner around the finish line with sponsors' <laughs> logos plastered all over it, you <laughs> might not vote for them, but then someone else might. And that's how our system works. I call it the big tent. Everybody is welcome under this tent, and the voters decide themselves. We don't what values they want to support. Well said, Matt. I like this. So you do not know the results, but you were a voter. Would you like to make any guesses right now, live on air? Like about who won or about like the yeah. top three? Top three. You, know, you, can go, you can do anything you want. So this is the top three male, top three female. That's what we're doing here. And as soon as we hang up with you, you, we actually are going to hear from the top three female males. So you, you, you're going to get a quick check here. So sorry to put you on the spot. Well, no, not really, no. actually. I'm sort of enjoying it. Now, for men, I would go like either like in not particular order, but like Damien Hall. Um, the the Paddy Buckley in winter was like pretty, pretty, pretty crazy with the with the conditions, and like just to get the the penning way one. One week after uh, uh, John was Kelly was just like ridiculous. I love that, like that ex excitement, that momentum on, on that like 30 year old record that was insane. Um, but um, I also like, I just like love the, 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 the grand round. Um, it's just like, it's insane. Like John failed once, came back. And does everything again for me. This there's there's the community, there's the suffering, there's the, the, the bad weather, there's everything. But the, the, just like and the imagination, just to think about that crazy completion of the three rounds and linking that with the bike, and for me it's just amazing. I love that. So like it's an OKT. It's like I I don't know. Like it's just like for me that that's that's the spirit. So I would put that one first because it's just like it's so beautiful. Uh, and for the women, ah, I mean, like, I mean, for the for the first place, you 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 can't uh, go um, without Beth Pascal on the background. This that was just like ridiculous, like one of the fastest time in history, like putting like forty nine minutes on Jasmine uh, Paris. 
which was like already an amazing time. So, um, but, and it's also a great example. Like she was training for States, boom, lockdown. Um, we're, we're not moving. What do we do? Boom, switch to um, local, uh, local round. And of course, local round, even if it's like 100 kilometers away from where she lives, like boom, that was the Bob Ram. And she had the community. She had like the access to all the information. She had the fitness and boom, that amazing time. So, yeah, Beth for me is like uh, like one of the the, the, the craziest. Uh, even like if I mix both men and women, just like one of the craziest uh, achievements. <laughs> I like it, Matt. And thank you for going out on a limb. I appreciate sure. your courage. Uh, of course, if you just moved to the Arctic, you have a lot of courage. But uh, those are good predictions. Damien Hall, he was actually twice in the nomination list. Yes. And you mentioned John Kelly for the grand round. We did all three uh, UK rounds back-to-back-to-back, uh, to back to back, biking in between them. And then you mentioned Beth Pascal, who you had actually already mentioned as having her finish covered by the BBC. Yes. So she, uh, she, she went to that next level for that effort. Yes, definitely. Well, Listeners can definitely go on the article on the website and look at the entire nominations list. Please comment. You can offer your opinions just as Meta did. Write your comments in on the website. And also stay tuned because right now we're going to the number three and the number two FKT Year of the World Award winners in Europe. And Matt, thank you very much for your time and for your perspective. I appreciate this discussion. Always a pleasure, Buzz. Let's get right down to the number three female FKT of the year for Europe, and that is Aoife Quigley. Thank you for joining us, Aoife. Thank you for having me. And you did a route, and I'm going to mispronounce this, called approximately the Nagaflukete on the on the border between Germany and Austria. So please pronounce the route correctly for me, and just tell us a little bit about it. It's called the Nagelflugkette. It, as you said, starts in Germany, ends in Austria, and it crosses a ridge that incorporates 16 mountains. So that's very fun. You're going up and down all the time. Uh, 31 kilometers long, I think over 2,000, 2,500 meters of elevation gain in total. Um, and I think for a ridge run, it's quite runnable, but there are still some areas of scrambling, easy climbing, going on there as well. A very beautiful route. Well, that's fantastic. And a quick note here, you your accent doesn't quite sound German to me. So fill us in a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm originally British, although I do have German nationality now, which I'm very proud of. Um, I, had, I got that last year. And I moved to Germany mm, six or seven years ago now um, to study conference interpreting so I interpret between German and English, and I uh, did my master's degree in Heidelberg in Germany, and then I decided to stay and live there. And that I actually first started running when I moved, properly running, trail running when I moved to Germany as well. Wow. So the UK has this huge tradition, but you started when you moved to Germany. <laughs> and so, so this is, your English is impeccable, your German is impeccable, you're a professional translator, so I'm glad I asked. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much. And I would... 
I'm very pleased to hear that my, my German skills are impeccable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a poor judge of that, but I'm a very good judge of FKTs. So you did something special. Like you said, this is this has got a lot of vert to it. As you mentioned, it has 2,438 feet uh, meters, which is a little over 8,000 feet and 31 kilometers, which is 19 and a half miles. So that is steep. But like you say, it's also runnable. You did that in four and a half hours. So congratulations again, Eva. Thank you very much. I actually wasn't expecting it to be um, that fast, um, particularly because there was snow on the course on the day that I ran it. Um, and so I was a little bit worried about that. But I obviously had a good day and managed to get through that. And yeah, I was really pleased with the time at the end. Well, 10 weeks earlier, this would have been the fastest time period by anybody. Yeah. So you have, uh, that's, that's, this is a little different. So where I'm looking at the nominations list and there's a fair amount of supported runs, which are really fun, right? Uh, you have a, a team involved, you have other people involved, friends and family, but you did this solo and unsupported, which is a little bit different sometimes. So did you, did you do that intentionally or is that just how it worked out? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I don't really know how I, I don't know where I could have been supported. That was the really the issue. Um, so I decided just because I thought the, the for the amount of time that I'd be running, I wouldn't need that much support. Um, I could just take my water with me. I would have enough food for, or um, gels, things like that for the, for the journey. So I thought that that was the best option. I understand that when you're doing an, um, the fastest known time or trying a fastest known time for many days, then the support is needed more than for five hours or so. Yeah. Right. And you're fine being up there by yourself? Oh, I see. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I am. Because it was it's quite a well-known route as well, despite being somewhat challenging in parts there are a lot of I think a lot of hikers up there in general and um, so I, I think that if I had had any major issues there would have been someone who come by at some point in time to help me and obviously I always take things like um, a rescue blanket those sorts of th things with me as well when I'm up in the mountains yeah oh that's interesting that's interesting well this is a competitive route and indeed uh, Austria and Germany have been quite competitive in 2020. So coming from the UK to there, what's what's the difference? I mean, fill us in. I think the culture, the FKT culture, the mountain culture is a little different. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too familiar with the, with the mountain culture in the UK because as I said, I only started trail running when I moved to Germany. But I also, I've, I heard about many more runs in Germany than I did, ever did in the UK. I don't know if that's because more are taking place. Um, because where I grew up, I grew up in, on Dartmoor. And I recently discovered that there's also now a fastest known time around Dartmoor, the Dartmoor Loop, it's called. Right. Um, but other than that, I wasn't very familiar with many races, um, running races in the area that I grew up in, mountain races. Um, and that was is very different in, in Germany. There are many races every weekend, um, not all of them, obviously, mountain races, there's lots of um, 10 kilometer city um, runs, things like that. Um, I just felt that the the running culture was a little bit more active here where I live in Germany. 
That is interesting. And as you mentioned, on the nomination list is the Dartmoor Round, which was done by Joe Meek in a very fast time. So she was one of the uh, nominees for 2020. So the UK is quite active, but it's a little different. I think when you go to the Alps, it gets a little steeper, particularly where you are. And seeing this, like you say, almost 2,500 meters of elevation gain in only 31 kilometers. So were you hiking up and running down? Were you running most of it? What did that look like? I actually ran a lot more than I thought I would do. When I didn't run, it was mostly because there was snow. So up to the last, there was uh, the highest or the steepest bit um, was, I think, Rind Alporn. Um, and that was a, a moment where I did hike up. But that was mainly because it was there was so much snow and uh, so much mud. And I kept on slipping back down. So that was more of a climbing <laughs> situation <laughs> than than any running but other than that, I definitely tried to run all of the downhills, all of the flatter parts, and as much of the uphills as I could. Um, obviously, slowly, but still trying. <laughs> right. Well, you did this on October 20th. So that was new snow. That wasn't old snow. No, it was It was new. I mean, I had planned a, a holiday or a week in the, in the Alps, and the intention was to run at the weekend. But the snow fell, I think, the day before. And I thought, um, well... I'm not going to run a fastest known time on completely um, new so with nothing melting. Um, so I decided to run at the end of my holiday, so during the week. And at that time, some of the snow had melted. But when you got right up um, to the very top, there was still a bit of snow. Um, yeah. So I don't know how much it helped, but I think there was definitely less snow than there was over the weekend. Gotcha. Are you a member of any of the clubs? Uh in Germany, because I think it's a little more organized there than it is here in the United States. We we just don't do clubs here. But how about there? Are you a member of anything? Yeah, I am. I'm a member of um, TV Schriesheim, which is a club in the area in which I live in. And I'm also now, um, yeah, I think as of November, a member of the Salomon running team in Germany and ah. um, the clothing brand. Yes. Uh yeah, but I, I do think the, the club culture is is definitely more um, prominent than it, than it is in the UK. I certainly feel, um, because I wasn't a member of any um, running team in, in the UK. And as soon as I came here, I immediately um, found one. Um, but I, I have to be honest, I don't run that much with my club. I'm quite a lone wolf. I'm, I run by myself quite a lot or with my dogs <laughs> or my boyfriend. Um, but I don't... Um, run with um, big groups, especially obviously now with Corona, it's a little bit more difficult anyway. Um, yeah. So I'm a member, maybe name only. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Well, good for you. Good for you. What about this area of Germany? I mean, if I was going to come, I don't know anything about it. If I was going to go there, is this a place for someone to visit? Yeah, I mean, where I come from is not where the um, the the F uh, the fastest known time is. That's um, further down. I also had to travel three hours or so to get there. Um, but where I come from, it's very beautiful, and I would definitely recommend a visit. Um, Heidelberg is um, a beautiful old city with um, lovely architecture, and there's also um, a woods as well um, with hills. I'd say rather than mountains. I think the the steepest or the most you can climb at one in one time is 500 meters, so it's not um, not too steep. 
but very beautiful. Yeah. Gotcha. So if you have time. Well, <laughs> well, what does it look like for you, Aoife, in 2021? Here we are starting the new year. And I think the pandemic is still going on. So might not be races. Maybe there will be later on. What do you think? And what do you think for yourself? I love running races in general. I'm a very competitive person. It doesn't always have to be against other people, also myself. Uh, so I have planned races for this year and I really hope they go ahead. Um, but if they don't, I, I still need goals. I love training for a reason. I mean, I love the act of training, but I also like to to see the result, to see what I am capable of achieving. Um, so I can imagine that if this year doesn't go according to plan in terms of the races, that I will try to find some more fastest known times to try out um, those sorts of sorts of routes. Because, I mean, for me, that was a, a real lifesaver last year that I had that and I was able to focus on on those things. And it's just so much fun. Good. Well, congratulations again, Aoife. Maybe we'll hear from you again in 2021. Maybe. Good talking with you again, John. Thanks for being on the show. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Now, we talked to you back in July in episode 96, didn't we? Yeah, that uh, seems like ages ago and at the same time just yesterday. <laughs> well, um, you did a few things in between. And folks, in case you cannot guess who we're speaking with, we're talking to a fellow in England who does not possess an English accent. And that person is John Kelly. Welcome, John, and congratulations. You have won the number three male FKT of the year for Europe for your grand round. Well done. Good job. Thanks very much. That's uh, quite the honor. Well, it's quite the project. So we'll put in the show notes our conversation from back in July, episode 96, so people can look it up. And in that episode, which was on the Pennine Way, which you just recently got the record on at that time, I said, well, what's next? And you said, you're thinking of doing the grand round. I thought, really? <laughs> because you had tried it once before last year and came up short and you got it done right after you and I talked. So tell the listeners, the, I mean, the grand round is just nuts. Yeah, it's an idea that I, I put together when I, I first came over here and came up a bit short uh, on it last year. Figured a good good jog along the Penine Way uh, to, to get started would uh, be, be good for it this year. So it combines the UK's big three fell running rounds. Uh, the Paddy Buckley round in Wales, the Bob Graham round in the Lake District, and the Charlie Ramsey round in Scotland. And so each of those are about 100k uh, and about 27, 28,000 feet of gain. And uh, I rode my bike in between them, which is it's, it's totals about 400 miles. Now, a lot of times, you know, some of the routes got really competitive in 2020. Routes, uh, the Pennine Way, you and Damien Hall went after that, and a few other routes kind of got very competitive, but not this one. This is what we fondly refer to as an OKT. In other words, only you are going to do this. I mean, does anyone say, oh, yeah, I want to go go for John's FKT in the grand round? 
Well, I, I hope so. Maybe one day, but it, it does require, <laughs> uh, I think, quite the the unique blend of uh, background and, and passions. And that's really one of the reasons that I went, went about doing it. it. It really combined some of the things that I'm personally most passionate about and that would truly motivate me and, and that I, I got a lot of joy out of doing. Right. Well, for folks who don't know, you are uh, a Yankee, so to speak. I think whoa, I can whoa, say that since that's uh, be, be, oh, be right. careful you're from there. Georgia, I, I, you're Tennessee. From Georgia, Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. So that, was, that was a horrible, horrible insult. My apologies. <laughs> so you're originally from the United States, and you moved to the UK a little while ago, and uh, so you've you've, you've get, getting it done there now. But just to look at the numbers here if we can. So that's 192 miles of running, 84,000 feet of vert, 113 summits, and the whole thing took 80 hours and 30 minutes. Is that, I think I got that right. Uh, that sounds about right for just when I was actually running. Uh, then you add in the cycling and the uh, brief uh, sleep that I got in between each section, and the whole thing took 130 hours and 43 minutes. Gotcha. That's right. It was the cycling alone was 398 miles. Yeah, yeah, and that that was uh that was split into two sections. Uh, if, if I had to do it again, I, I'd maybe switch the order and, and do the longer cycling section first, because <laughs> um, that that second cycle leg was was about 230 miles through some fairly rough weather and, and that that one it really got to me that, that was the first time that I, I really started to uh, feel the fatigue and and have to really battle wow <laughs> okay <laughs> well pardon me for chuckling here because the each one of the grand rounds is a giant accomplishment takes days in and of itself to do all three of them back to back to back and then to cycle in between them. And, and you're referring to your passion. So you have been an extremely successful triathlete. Yeah. And I was, uh, I was very successful about with, with all of the parts that didn't involve water. Uh, I was, I was never good at swimming. <laughs> I always kind of came out in the back and then had to play catch up on, on the bike and the run. Uh, and if I'm I'm running, I would much prefer to do it in in the mountains. Whereas cycling, I I, I do enjoy uh, a road bike. So this really was kind of the the perfect match for me of of getting able to being able to get out in the mountains uh, and and then have the the road bike in between. Interesting, interesting. So you really like to run and hike in the mountains, but you're fine on the pavement on the bike. So that that means this is a a really good fit. Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoy the uh, the speed and the the rhythm that you can get uh, on on a road bike. Right. Well, we'll encourage listeners to uh, you know click through and the and the written show notes and the written article we'll have on the website, and they'll see a picture of you on your tri bike. So this <laughs> is a a project. I'm sorry, John. I mean, you know, you're leaving yourself open to this with this, the massivity of this project. You're five and a half days doing the three biggest rounds in the UK 
And there you are in this full tuck position on your tri-bike with arrow wheels and a skin suit on. So that's, uh, that's getting it done. Yeah, well, you know, it, it adds up over those distances. And, and that's something that uh, I, I did have people with me on the bike this year. That's something a different approach than I had last year that was, was partly for safety, but also I, I kind of wanted to negate uh, a, a large part of the advantage of having that triathlon bike and uh, having someone uh, there with me that I, I could uh, draft off of and, and ride the wheel of on, on occasion, uh, which, uh, you know, kind of eliminates the, uh, the aerodynamic benefit of my bike. And so if someone else wants to try it, hopefully they don't have to uh, spend years of their life in, in triathlon working their way up to that bike. <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's a good tip uh i'll keep that in mind if i uh, if i give this a go <laughs> well you know it, it would and one thing i thought about that things like this and you know i kind of got into mountain running and this whole fkt thing largely coming via the way of hiking and backpacking and i loved to do these long trips and these long trails and eventually i just I didn't have time for it. Uh, I didn't have time to get out and spend days and weeks doing these things. And so I thought, well, if I just run them and run them really fast, I, I can still do some of them. So the opposite applies to that as well. Whereas if someone wanted to do this, I, I think it would be just a, a fantastic uh, kind of longer trip to get out there and stop and enjoy places along the way and, and really take in the rounds and all of the towns that you're cycling through it, it's really just magnificent countryside and and history of the uk that you get to see along the way in other words do the same route but take a uh, three times as much time yeah it, it, enjoy it you know it... right well i got that i got that good advice always because we look at the fkts which by definition is the fastest known time but the routes are essentially our bucket less list of the great routes in that region and so you could, you don't have to go for the fastest time. You could simply do the route in whatever time it takes you, and you'll have a great time. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So when you're looking at the rounds, of course, the Bob Graham, I think the Bob Graham round got the whole thing going. Did it? Is that the first one? Yeah, it's it's first and, and definitely um, the most well-known uh, and, and there was a, a huge, uh, Beth Pascal set an incredibly impressive women's record uh, on it this year. Uh, Killian Journey set the men's record two years ago. And so it, it definitely gets the most attention. And I think I'm, I'm looking at my Bob Graham certificate over here. I'm, I'm member number 2,289. And that's from last year. Whereas if you look at the the Patty Buckley round and the, the Charlie Ramsey round, um, it's, uh, I, I think, it, a, a few hundred for, for each. Charlie Ramsey, I, I think, only recently hit 100 even. Ah, wow. 2,289 people, well, at that time, had finished the Bob Graham. But they're, wow. they're, very, they're very different. And, and I, you know, they have their unique aspects and, and uh, you know, I think Bob Graham has just been around the longest and, and is the most well-known. It's not that I would say that it's better uh, than the other two in any way. 
Well, I think most people know this, but just in case they don't, the round is what they call a link-up in the UK, where the course is not, it's an open, what we would call an open course, which means you have to reach all the summits. And you can do that in whatever sequence you want. You can do it however you want. You do have to tag all the summits. And interestingly enough, the UK has this huge history. So there's a particular procedure like, uh, we, we, in fastest known times, we use GPX tracks. But these guys go way, way back before that. So there's some sort of little card that you carry, some different type of verification. Well, for, for the Bob Graham round, to in order to join the Bob Graham round club, you have to have a current member of the club with you at every single summit to, wow. to verify that you visited it. Oh, you know, you, that's serious. Yeah, you, you're free to go out and, and do the round uh, on your own if you want. And, you know, you, you can have the GPS track for that and it would... I think still be recognized in most circles, but to actually join the club, you you, you have to do it uh, with a club member at, at each summit. That means there's no such thing as an unsupported Bob Graham round. Well, again, not to join the club, uh, but yeah, there's certainly, uh, you can go out and, and do an unsupported round if you're already a member of the club or if you have no interest in joining the club. I attempted one um, a, a few weeks ago, a midwinter solo unsupported round, which was just uh, before things went into lockdown here. And it was an absolutely beautiful day out and, and just an amazing experience to get out and, and be on the round uh, solo and in those conditions. Uh, unfortunately, I ended up getting dehydrated and had to stop a bit short, but it, it was still just such a, a different experience than than what I had seen uh, during the summer and in a supported fashion. That was on the BGR? Uh, yeah. I heard that the Ramsey might be the hardest one. Uh, overall, I'd say Patty Buckley is, is the hardest. Uh, it's It's got the some pretty rocky terrain and some some tough patches and and some of the the tougher climbs and and i think it's a little bit longer uh than the others just uh, again there's not a specifically defined distance since the actual exact route isn't explicitly defined it's just hit all the summits the thing that is unique about the charlie ramsey round is it's it was the first time in the UK that I really felt like I was in actual remote wilderness. You know, that feeling that you get when you're way out in the Sierra Nevada or the Rockies and there's just nothing within miles. The Bob Graham round and the Patty Buckley, you you cross a road four times on each. There are well-defined support points where people can meet you. You're running through farms and along fence lines, you get out there on the Ramsey round and it, there's, there's nothing. Uh, you go under a railroad trussel and there's a couple bothies, but otherwise um, you're, you're pretty much on your own. And the two support points are simply the points at which it's least inconvenient for people to hike in supplies to you. Gotcha. Okay. Good perspective. Well, John, I have to ask, a technical question before we uh, mosey along here. 
What did you eat? I'm looking at five and a half days of almost continuous movement. You weren't just eating gels. So we don't often ask this, but I realize we probably should ask things like this a little bit more. We're five and a half days of constant effort. How how'd you make that work in terms of nutrition? Uh, so there's definitely a, a lot of junk food involved. There is gel involved. I kind of use that as my sports fuel, uh, gels, uh, liquid fuel, like perpetuum. I use that as kind of my base, but then there there's packaged junk food, uh, on, on top of that snack cakes and whatnot, uh, homemade things like cookies and, and little, uh, energy balls that have dates and, and nuts and, and whatnot in them. But the big thing for this particular endeavor was, was it was kind of divided into five parts. There was three rounds and three, and, and sorry, two biking sections. And so in between each one, I would absolutely stuff my face and get a bit of sleep before starting. And so, I mean, I was downing fish and chips and, and burgers and pizzas um, just doing everything I could to, to try to replenish calories in between and before getting that bit of a nap. And then also uh, on, on the bike, that was another big advantage of, of having that time is on the run, I, you know, I really struggle to get above 200 calories an hour at, at times, whereas on the bike, I can throw down 500 calories an hour, no, no problem. So it, it allowed me to, to refuel a bit in between the rounds. Interesting. I like it. I understand that. So at the four transitions, you just chow down on real food. You get some fat, you get some protein. And then while you're moving, generally it's the so-called energy foods, which means sugar and carbohydrate. And then on the bike, since your stomach isn't getting jiggled, at least that's my theory, I've never gotten a side ache on a bike in my yep. life. Uh, you can just put it away. Well, like you say, while running, it's remarkably hard to maintain. Yeah, and it's it is very much like you say because of the the squashing uh, in your stomach, and and so it's it's important also to to have a variety because it's just impossible to predict things you love that you're going to get sick of and start hating, and then things you never would have thought of or you've never even encountered that. Uh, you'll just see and think, yeah, that's perfect. I have to have that. Well, one of my support crew on my final leg of Ramsey, which was by far the, the toughest stretch, he had all of these homemade honey flapjacks that he pulled one out. And I was just like, yes, that's the one. That is exactly what I need. And I, I hope he got some of my food because I proceeded to take his entire supply of flapjacks for the, the rest of the round there. <laughs> And it's unpredictable, isn't it? Your your eye sees it, your stomach knows it wants it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I hesitate for my last question, John, which traditionally on the fastest known podcast is what comes next? But I almost don't want to ask you that. I asked you that before. You told me about the grand round. I, I mean, I, hopefully uh, you're not going to go bigger than this, or maybe you are. What What do you think? What's next? Well, I'd like to experience some, some different things. You know, I, I don't have time even at this point in my life to go bigger um i did have this idea that i was going to try to do all three of the rounds solo unsupported and in the midwinter window this year it's it's about a three-week window uh, but unfortunately that got delayed or 
derailed uh, by the, the surge in COVID cases and the resulting lockdowns and travel restrictions. Um, maybe I'll try to v- revisit that one day. Uh, but I am looking at some things this summer uh, that, that hopefully will be uh, low impact, low risk of getting canceled by, by COVID. Uh, there are a number of other big challenges here, uh, like the Wainwrights, which links 214 summits in the Lake District. Uh, and, and then, of course, uh, you know, it, it, it's my turn uh, on the Penine Way with, with Damien and I's little, little back and forth there. <laughs> definitely is your turn <laughs> i like it i like it that this sounds terrific john it's always a delight to speak with you we might see you in frozen head state park again one of these years we it's uh we don't know yet though yeah that, that's another one of those that's uh, especially for this year it's it's hard to tell and and with me in the uk it's not quite the uh easy drive down the road to visit family that, that it used to be for me. It's still a visit to family. Um, you know, that they, they have fortunately, my, my parents got their uh, vaccination already. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that and uh, getting able to see them and uh, them both uh, see, see our, our newborn child. Uh, it, it'll be right. really looking forward to that. Right. Yeah. Well, you make me feel like this incredible slacker, the Pennine Way on July 16th, August 16th, the the round, the grand round. Then one month later, on August 22nd, your fourth child. So I'm just a total couch potato. Compared so to the, sep- September 22nd, j- just to clarify for, for listeners. Oh, September there. I, 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 was not, uh, I, I was not out running the rounds uh, with my wife's uh, <laughs> imminently going into labor. Three big events in three months. Congratulations again, John. Always delightful to speak with you. Thanks very much. Very much enjoyed it. And folks, we'll be back next week to conclude the fastest known time of the year awards for Europe. That's right. And uh, where are we going to be? Tune in next week. I got some hints for you. I think we might be back in the UK. And we might be in Germany, but tune in next week and find out. And definitely go to the bottom of the show notes and look up our previous conversation with John and consider donating to the Fastest Known Podcast. We always get it done here. We don't do a lot of chit-chat and we're not supported by any grant foundation. So if you'd like to make a Patreon donation or PayPal, please go to the show notes at the bottom and click the link to do that. Thanks very much, and we look forward to talking with you all next week.